This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm your host, Sabrina Ferminger, and today I am delighted to be joined over Skype because of physical distancing by Tom Charity. Tom is the year-round programmer at VIF Fan City Theatre. In a normal year, a year unlike 2020, VIF Fan City Theatre is a go-to location for anyone with a passion for cinema. It's a cultural landmark, a place where film lovers go to be challenged and uplifted and experience screen stories from all over the world. It is the home of the Vancouver International Film Festival, which screens more than 300 films each year and other festivals, too. It is a place to go if you love BC film. It is a place that has been in the throes of construction in order to accommodate new and different forms of programming with the addition of a micro lounge or a micro theater and a VR lounge. In short, Van City Theater is a place that in a year unlike 2020 is alive with film. So in a year like 2020, Van City Theatre is having to get creative to bring programming to its audiences. So today we're going to speak with Tom about how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted Viff Van City Theatre in particular and the cultural landscape in general. We're going to talk about the programming that you, yes you, can access right now through VIF.org. And I am going to push Tom to ponder how he thinks this pandemic will change Vancouver film moving forward. Tom Charity. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be with you, even if it's virtually. Oh, I miss... The theater. I miss going to the theater. I'm sure you miss the theater, and it was very exciting in the in the months leading up to the pandemic to see you know the photos of the progress that was being made on the lobby. So can you you talk to me a bit about the kind of year that that Van City Theater was having before the pandemic? Ah, gosh, it seems so long ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was set to be a landmark year for us. Uh, we just didn't know quite how it was going to turn out. Mm. Um, the, the project continues, this reimagined. Um, so we're happy that the construction is able to go ahead for the time being. Yeah. Uh, we don't can't take anything for granted, but uh, we we've even been able been able to fast track it, which is great uh, in the hope that uh, perhaps we'll be able to reopen the cinema. Uh, sometime in the summer, who knows, maybe yeah. early summer, uh, best case scenario. Um, 
We are putting in, uh, as you say, a 40-seat micro-cinema. Uh, we're also going to have a brand-new concession stand. We're going to have an entirely new kind of fixtures and fittings in the in the atrium lobby. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're going to have a, a VR-AR space uh, up on the catwalk uh, and a new education suite. So fantastic. it's, it's going to be fantastic, and we were super excited about that uh, just even five, six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and now things, now things are a little scary because, mm. you know, we, we have uh, substantial government support for this project, but it's all with matching funds attached. So mm-hmm. we, we were in the midst of uh, launching a, a million-dollar kind of capital campaign fundraiser, and... Uh, and everything's gone to to hell. Uh, so, so we're in a, a bit of a bind there. Yeah. Uh, plus, of course, uh, uh, no incoming revenues to speak of. So, uh, it, it it's definitely going to be a very very challenging year uh, for this. Uh, I would say the the most challenging time that we've had in our thirty eight years of history. Yeah. Um, and um, but. You know, there will be a way. I think the festival is the festival is too important for for it to be allowed to to die. And mm. I'm sure that we will access and marshal the support that's out there, be it from you know from all sorts of different sectors. Yeah. Uh, mean, meanwhile, uh, most of our staff have been able to continue, uh, which we're very grateful for to have jobs. Um, yeah. We're, we're all working on reduced salaries, reduced hours, uh, but we're keeping busy. Uh, yeah. We're trying to stay engaged with our audience. We're trying to make ourselves useful, as useful as, as our sector can be, mm. by helping, you know, helping distribute and disseminate worthwhile work. Uh, and and hopefully, you know, I, I think one of the things we, we're seeing in this time is, is just how important culture is as a way of sustaining and, and uh, supporting our, our mental health when mm. we're deprived of so many other things. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we're trying to do our part in that. Before we talk about the programming that you are offering, I want to go back to what you were talking about this the fact that it is a scary time. It's also a scary time for so many other sectors. And I mean, within the cultural landscape, there are so many uh, different organizations, you know, that have had to Mm -hmm. that have had to uh, close up or in the case of something like Bart on the Beach, not even begin its its season, just cancel the whole season for the year. Is there any comfort to be derived for for you from the fact that VIF isn't the only organization that is having to go through this? Like, do you see down the road working with other elements within the cultural sector to, you know, deal with all the challenges that that everybody is facing, especially when it comes to funding? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I don't take comfort from the fact that everybody's going through a terrible hardship, but, <laughs> but I do, uh, I do suppose that uh, I've been pretty impressed with with how the federal authorities have been stepping up and facing this challenge and and I'm fairly confident that uh, they are not going to 
stand by and and watch while uh, the cultural sector kind of drowns. Um, So I think in in that sense, nonprofits like ours are are, probably going to be in a better position than a lot of small businesses, and and we're lucky from that point of view. Okay. Okay, well, silver lining, I guess. Um, (laughs) I know, it's such a... I mean, I'm in my lifetime, I've never encountered anything like this. It's almost hard to find the language to talk about this historic moment and everything that we are we are going through. Um, so at what point then did did you and your team talk about offering programming online? And then also, can you tell me about the specifics of what you are offering? Because you've got a few yeah, things going so, on. Yeah. It's amazing how quickly it all happened, um, as you know. I mean, one week uh, on the on the Thursday, we were putting in measures about you know so- social distancing in the in the cinema with uh, reducing capacity by fifty percent, so you could be guaranteed an empty seat next year. And then by the following Monday, so like three days later, uh, it was already clear that that wasn't going to be that wasn't going to cut it, yeah. and. Uh, and we were closed by Wednesday, I think it was. Mm. Um, uh, so, so that was all very sudden. Uh, and by by that following weekend, we were offering our first streaming option. Uh, hmm. So, I will give credit here to uh, there's an American distribution company called Kino Kino Loba, um, which is a long established art house distributor, yeah. and it was uh, their initiative in the first place to not only approach uh, independent theaters like our own uh, to say, we have films that you might like to consider streaming, but they went that step further because we don't have our own streaming platform and said, we can give you a tailored link uh, that's specific to your theater from which your customers can purchase the film, uh, which made it very easy for us and super quick. Yeah. So that was that was how we were able to jump on it so quickly, and we will split the revenues with you down the middle in support of you because we we need each other. Yeah. And it's true. Uh, so so that was uh, amazing that they were able to put that uh, together. For I, I know that it's over a hundred. Independent theaters across the United States have, have been working with them over the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and, and as it happens, uh, the film that, that they first offered was Baccarat, which we had scheduled to be playing uh, two weeks later in the theater anyway. So oh, perfect, okay. perfect set for us. Absolutely. Um, Do they carry any Canadian film at all or any BC film? Uh, Kino doesn't, and most uh, most Canadian films with a U.S. distributor would have a different Canadian distributor, so it's slightly more complicated yeah. with Canadian films. Uh, so w- there have been, there have hasn't been as quick from the Canadian distributors to to be able to jump on this, but we do have one uh, currently on offer. Um, semi-Canadian film, yeah. uh, The Hottest, Hottest August, which is a fantastic documentary by Brett Story, who is Canadian, uh, albeit this is a, a documentary filmed in uh, New York, 
in 2016, 2017, um, where Brett spent a month talking to the people of New York, mostly kind of working class people in the outer boroughs, about their feelings towards the future. Oh. And, um, and what what they were concerned about, whether they were confident in the future, and this was kind of kind of around. Uh, she was she was thinking about climate change, but talking to them, most of them weren't. Uh, despite you know Hurricane Sandy and all that, it wasn't wasn't a huge issue for most of the people she was talking for talking to. Um, mostly, they're concerned about money, <laughs> and they're yeah. concerned about immigrants, and so it's kind of in a way it's a. Uh, an explanation of Trump, I would yeah. say, but it, but it's also very much about that kind of how how short sighted we as a as a species are. I'm afraid, um, uh, even even with that uh, Hurricane Sandy experience and with wildfires raging across the states that summer, um, people just can't think ten years ahead or twenty years ahead. They're thinking about well. Now and next year, maybe, and maybe, am I going to be able to see out my retirement? Yeah. Um, what so incredible insight into our recent past! Like that is an seems like an incredible historical document that I will absolutely be be. So, is what's the term? Am I streaming it? Am I renting it? And I am I screening yeah. it? What are, what terms are we using here, Tom? Well, I say, and what you're doing is renting the the, the uh, opportunity to stream it for three days uh, at, uh, I believe that one is twelve dollars Canadian. Yeah. Because we're working with different distributors, then it's one of the challenges has been that, that they're not able to offer uniform pricing for us. Some of them are only able to offer U.S. pricing. Yeah. Um, and everybody's setup is slightly different uh so in the in the medium to longer term we're hoping to set up our own streaming service where we can uniform the uh these things um but at the moment it's it's a bit more piecemeal unfortunately well, I, I will say, though, that I am very uh, energized by the film that you just described, and uh, I will be watching it this very evening. So is it coming up, or it's an, you said it's on offer right now? That's on offer as of this week. Nice. Uh, and okay. We'll, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it on our website, uh, this.org, for a, a little while. Okay, great. Um, and so that's that's the first Canadian film that we've been able to offer, but it won't be the last. Um, I've been talking to Canadian distributors over the last three weeks, and everybody's interested in following this model. It just takes a time, takes a while to get it all set up. Well, everybody's you know isolated and in lockdown, and and some of the labs are not deemed essential services in Toronto, so getting that work mm. actually you know, up and available, uh, it's proving a little more time consuming than, than we would have liked. But yeah. uh, we're, we're uh, definitely working on, on getting more Canadian content up there as soon as we can. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you are, and I'm happy that you're offering the streaming, um, the rental, the experience, the ability to watch the films that we're not seeing elsewhere. But I'll admit that I still... I'm sure like a lot of people have that s- profound sense of sadness that I can't go to the theater right now, you know, and I, I was, I wanted to talk to you about 
what we lose when we are not gathered together in a shared space like a theater. Like there is something or, or like what is added to that experience, you know, because like my my hope is that when this is over, we won't be scared to go out, that we will still be excited to go and experience stories, sharing space with other people. So can, can you tell me some of your thoughts on on the ma- talk about the magic of cinema, Tom, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's my whole deal. It's yeah. my whole deal. I said that I, for me, uh, the most um, intense and magical and deeply emotional movie watching experiences are on the big screen. Uh, in in a theater in the company of other people, yeah. I just think film, you know, comedies are funnier, uh, tragedies are more uh, uh, more tragic. They're more likely to induce tears in you, yeah. um, and there's just something about that kind of. Even though we're all sitting in the dark uh, and hopefully being quiet, <laughs> mm. somehow. Those emotions uh, are transmitted between across audiences, and it's even you know it's very funny. Dif- different screenings of the same film can have different atmospheres and different vibes, yeah. almost as if it was live theater or something. Yeah. Uh, that's how, that's how important the audience element is in, to the experience. Um, at the same time, you know, the movies don't change. The movies other movies and they're more important than they're the most important factor in this uh people people love our theater they love coming to our theater Mm. but if we were showing bad movies that would soon that would soon uh vanish that kind of loyalty i think um so uh, if this is the only way we can share the movies for a little while and experience them at home then so be it I think you just have to make that kind of mental leap. Um, it's interesting that uh, there have been, there's already been some audience research, some surveys of people. What will you do when this is over? Would you feel comfortable uh, going back to the to support the arts? Uh, will you be going to the theatre? Will you? What what they found uh, is that people are very keen to go back to parks they're very keen to go back to zoos Mm. to aquariums a little more nervous when it starts being an enclosed space and the art form that they're most nervous about is the cinema Uh, Hmm. that's what they're saying at the moment and obviously obviously that makes grim reading for those of us who are in this business Uh, that said I think it's totally understandable yeah, and uh, and that that's going to change. Um, I know that I'm desperate to go out and to you know, <laughs> I, I'm desperate to go to a restaurant. I'm desperate to go to bars again. Yeah. I'm desperate to experience that precious life that we all took for granted. Yeah, and and movies big part of that. Uh, I think people are going to be people are going to be fed up with what Netflix is able to provide after a while because, you know, people aren't producing new stuff. So yeah. so if this goes on for a while, then we're all going to be kind of getting towards the bottom of that particular barrel, I'm afraid. Um, and I think 
I think people, uh, once they're assured that it's safe, especially when there's a vaccine out there, yes. then I, I really believe it's not going to have long-lasting impacts on, on what we do. Uh, people have been talking about the death of cinema for a long, long time. And hmm. our experience at VIF, at Van City Theatre, is that our attendance goes up year after year after year. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think it's slightly different for the multiplexes because, uh, because in that business, um, they're all facing bankruptcy, frankly, yeah. <laughs> over the next, uh, over this spell. So unless people come in to kind of salvage them, then that could have really profound repercussions for at least the, the number of commercial theaters that are, that are around. Because yeah. uh, I think uh, this is, this, Recession is going to hit them really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but I think as far as people's habits go, I, I believe that all the reasons that we've always wanted to go to the movies for that shared experience, uh, those are still going to be dictating behavior. Um, we go to the movies because we love it, and that's going to be the same in, uh, at, the, at the end of 2020 as, a, as it was at the end of 2019. Yeah, I really believe that. I believe it too. I believe it too. You know, especially when I'm seeing all the the cancellations of festivals that I was looking forward to. Like Doxa was one that I was like, oh, I need yeah. my I need my documentaries. I need to be able to go and just binge thoughtful documentaries well curated from all over the world you know and that is you're right that's not an experience that we're that we get elsewhere so um if people want to support vif van city theater in this moment is there anything else that they can do besides uh renting the films yes please (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) please we um we are, as I said, uh, in in the midst of this renovation. Yeah. And if you go to vif.org, uh, you will find top right of our website, uh, support us. Yeah. Uh, give a gift, buy a gift card, or donate to the VIF Center Reimagined. And uh, we're actually relaunching uh, that donation campaign uh, sometime in the next week, 10 days. Perfect. Um, okay. With... Uh, you know, it's it's a really it's a really tough time for everybody, and we know people are inundated with these kind of requests from all sorts of really great causes. Um, and we wouldn't be asking if we didn't need the help. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but but yes, there there are myriad ways in which you can help support this. You know, with a gift of any size we we really appreciate it and and by purchasing a streaming option um 50 of that revenue is coming back to us and helping sustain us through this period so so definitely check out what we have there at the moment uh i believe there are five or six uh current paid for rental options for you uh if you subscribe to our newsletter you'll also get uh, a bunch of free streaming recommendations as well on a weekly oh. basis. Uh, we're also launching a, a brand new podcast as of today, in fact. Oh. Uh, the Ziff podcast with a little rival to you, Sabrina. Um, 
<laughs> I, I know I about the VIF podcast. You know it is slightly the, different. It's vastly the different. I'm enough in the day <laughs> in the day for us to do more than one podcast, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, we're launching that with um, it, at, at the moment uh, we we are kind of repurposing recorded creator talks and masterclasses that we've done over the years and and the very first issue is Michael Moore. Yeah, I mean, very different than <laughs> very very different. Um, Not recorded in your bedroom, uh, but yeah, no, it's a very exciting lineup of. Uh, Creator talks from some of the masters of storytelling who you have had pass through the the doors of the theater in recent yeah. years. And I will say yeah. to listeners as well, we will have links to everything that Tom is talking about in the episode notes for this for this episode. I should also mention we've got uh, <laughs> National Canadian Film Day coming up. That's uh, the 22nd of April. That's which is, right. Uh, uh, a week next Wednesday. And um, we've been talking to Real Canada about how we can best support that in the present circumstances. Usually, usually we'd do a full day of programming. A and full day a full of free programming. Of programming. Yeah. Um, can't do that at the moment, but we are. What we're doing instead is um, we're pointing people to. Uh, a couple of places where you can watch Canadian films for free online. Uh, we're we're spe- specifically pointing people to two films. Um, it's going to be uh, Don McKellar's Last Night hmm. and uh, Nina Shum's Meditation Park. And we're looking to put together a little package of supplementary material so that people can watch those on CBC Gems, uh, but also can live stream uh, intros and we hoped we're also a Q&A with Mina uh, after that screening. That, that's the plan. It's early, day, early days, uh, but uh, we're hoping to get that all up and ready for the 22nd of April. It's actually incredible what we are all able to accomplish while we are all on lockdown in our homes, eh? Like that is that is a remarkable day of programming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yesterday I was on a call, a Zoom call, of course, with um, some folks down in Nelson who are running an independent theater down there, and and we're kind of pooling our resources to for the, specifically for this Canadian Film Day. Yeah. Um, just to try and drum up as much interest across BC as we can. And it's, it's great that if nothing else, you know, this enforced separation is in some ways making us work together more effectively because it's, it's making us think outside the box and it's, it's a little more time to think if it's nothing else. Yeah. Tom, it has been an absolute pleasure. Do you have any final words to my listeners who are also many of whom your ticket holders who are just eager to get back into that theater with their glass of wine and their popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, we miss you. I'll say that. Um, And be be assured that uh, we will be back. We're working behind the scenes on 
all sorts of uh, variations for what we can do with the fe- festival in the fall. Um, that this will will definitely happen in 2020. We don't know yet uh, the size and the scope of what that will look like and yeah. how much of that will be in physical theaters. Uh, you know, let's let's hope a lot of it uh, and that it will be comparable to years gone by. Yeah. But even if we can't do that, uh, there will be a festival in some shape or form. So, you know, watch, watch this space, I guess. Even if we can't do that, there will be a festival in some shape or form. I love to hear that. I love to hear, I find that... Probably that's more wildly reassuring than anything else I'm going to hear today. So thank you so much for that, Tom. <laughs> and to to my listeners, I say this. I have many new episodes of the YVR Screen Scene podcast in the can. I will continue to release new content twice a week. This in addition to the 70 plus episodes we've already released in the last year. We've got you covered. And we will also record new episodes over Skype to cover breaking news uh, in the BC film industry and also maybe just to talk about self-care and how we're all doing. So please keep in touch on social media at YVR Screen Scene and by email at Sabrina at YVRScreenScene.com. You are not alone. We are going to get through this. Thanks for listening. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.